As far back as the High Republic, there is a Trandoshan Jedi and a Wookiee Jedi, but now we still have Wookiee Jedi, but we don't have any Trandoshan Jedi. So this is an aside, but I'm always very curious about like what happened with the Trandoshans because they're they're exclusively evil. The, the, <laughs> the first non-evil Trandoshan we've seen is Sid, as far as I know, in on-screen media. Lots of bad Trandoshans. to Krypton to Alderaan. I'm Joey, your Star Wars lover, and with me is Royish Good Looks. Hello, podcast. Hello, Joey. Hello, and we're the podcast that analyzes all kinds of nerdy pop culture stuff, but it's mostly Star Wars, and this episode we'll be discussing The Bad Batch, season two. But first, if you'd like to get in touch with us, reach out with your feelings. Find us on social media anywhere. Just search Krypton to Alderaan, or leave us a comment on YouTube. We've been getting a lot more engagement on YouTube lately, which is great. Thank you, everybody who's watching slash listening on YouTube. So go subscribe and comment. I would love to talk to all of you about The Bad Batch. I'm having a great time talking about The Bad Batch. It's great getting comments. I'd love to talk about it more. So, hey, let's talk about it. And hey, we're always on the lookout for new reviews on Apple Podcasts. And that's all I'm going to say about that. How are you doing, Royce? I am doing great. This day has recovered from its lows of going to the dentist in early morning to jumping into Pro Tools and mixing some music to now talking about Bad Batch with my best buddy, Joey. So we're sticking, <laughs> we're sticking the landing today. When you start off at the dentist, it can really only go, go up, uphill or downhill. What? No, uphill, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess we want to make it to the top of the hill without doing a lot of work, right? That's the best case scenario. Yeah. Maybe I should title this playlist of these episodes that we've been doing reviewing the Bad Batch. Maybe I should call the playlist the Bad Batch Best Buds. Yeah, yeah, the BBBB. <laughs> awesome. Well, we came <laughs> workshop that right on air. That's great. We did it. That's cool. I'm glad you didn't wind up with numb tongue. I know. We're definitely rolling the dice of like what's going to happen after, you know, <laughs> visiting, you know, an oral, you know, surgeon or whatever. I didn't know if we were going to be doing or what. Like, you'd just be taking this episode over, I guess. But here I am, yeah. and I've had some coffee, and I'm not going to shut up. So deal with it. Awesome. Well, <laughs> glad to hear that. But it also could have worked out the other way because this episode of The Bad Batch was the most Clone Warsy episode of The Bad Batch we've gotten yet. And therefore, I could talk about it. I could do this all day. A Perfect. Steve Rogers. There we go. Let's get into the Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 6, Tribe. Here is my little synopsis. Coming in for another happy landing on a space station, we catch up with Clone Force 99 delivering forged Imperial chain codes to a group of droid smugglers known as the Vanguard Axis. While waiting at the ship, Omega discovers that Axis is holding a unique prisoner and a presence we've not felt since... (laughs) (laughs) Our heroes battle for the prisoner's freedom and embark on a mission to return him to his home planet where even more sinister forces await. Say it with me now. (laughs) Put Put that that on the DVD DVD box box cover. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, Royce, classic. Let's start out this way. Now, a couple episodes ago, again, you had said that your favorite 
Star Wars? Are the lightsabers someone in the galaxy is special Star Wars? What did you think of this episode? We haven't seen a Jedi since the premiere of mm. The Bad Batch season one. Yeah, that's a really interesting note there, right? And that, that would have been Caleb Doom and his yep. master. What was his master's name? Do we, we know? Deepa Balaba. Uh, did, were you at the dentist today, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're all a little bit broom boy at some point or another. Oh, that's great. I love that. Yeah. I think it's great to see a Jedi in the Bad Batch. Really interesting to see a Jedi youngling or Padawan. And obviously, you know, Omega being the same age is a perfect pairing. But I don't just need the lightsabers. Like, he could have not had the lightsaber the whole time and used the Force or something. Like, lightsaber is not a non-starter for me or whatever. But that was nice. I, I was really curious to see how the Bad Batch were going to react to seeing a Jedi. And that was obviously very interesting how they played some of that dialogue and how Gunji was kind of scared of them. But, dude, in general, you're talking about the Star Wars box. When this episode kicks in, all right? Again, <laughs> say it with me, everybody. There's the Marauder. That pans in, you know, from the side of the screen. And then we pan down to a big-ass space station. I'm in, man. That's what I need to see. <laughs> you know, that's how you got to start all the Star Wars is, in my humble opinion. It's Star Wars. You pan down mm. to a space station. Come on. Or a planet or whatever. <laughs> so I love that. Yeah, I really like Gunji. Obviously, I think we're going to talk about Gunji and the Wookiees a lot. Clone Wars fan yourself. How was this introduction of Gun... Reintroduction of Gunji for you? I love... Gunji. <laughs> I really, really love this character. Are you familiar with Gunji? Have you watched those episodes of the Clone Wars at all? Yeah, so they, all the Padawans go to Ilum and build their lightsabers and grab their crystals in the cave, right? I've seen at least that one. I don't know what else, what other episodes he might be in, but I've seen that one. I think there might be one or two in that arc. Yeah, and he appears briefly later on in an episode, but we don't really spend any time with him. So those are the two main, that's the main arc with Gunji and the other younglings, which when people ask me what my favorite arc of the Clone Wars is, that is always at the top of my list, if not the top. The first one where they go to Ilum, it's called The Gathering. So the Gathering arc or the youngling arc, whatever. It's just one of the best. That's my kind of Star Wars. Super canon dense, lore heavy Ahsoka and Yoda leading the younglings to Ilum to find their lightsaber crystals. There's something extremely special about that journey. And then, of course, Calamity ensues. And what people who love Hondo don't seem to remember is that in this arc, he's, he's perfectly fine with killing these kids for their kyber crystals. But anyway, we'll leave <laughs> that aside. So I love that arc and I love the characters we're introduced to. And on top of that, Gunji is a very... He's a character that's easy to connect to and relate with, and, and sort of all the younglings are going on their own little journey there. So we spend a lot of time with Gunji and him overcoming what he needs to overcome to get his crystal. And then we have Professor Yang, who's the droid on the ship who has helped younglings make their lightsabers for thousands of years. And he says, rare to the Jedi you are, to Gunji, as in like, we don't see a lot of Wookiees. Which is just an other, it was just a very cool other little like drop in the intrigue department. So I love those episodes. I love Gunji. It was super awesome to see him again. He's got a cool lightsaber. <laughs> one of the coolest lightsabers. I love it. It's really cool to see him build it. So yeah, I was stoked when this, when the like 
trailer dropped for this season and we got to see Gunji. I never expected it in a million years. I don't think I ever expected to see Gunji again or any of those younglings. But I guess now there's hope that the rest of them are out there somewhere. I hope Gunji continues to remain okay. All right, I have two Gunji questions then before we okay. close the book on Gunji. I mean, I think we could talk the whole episode about him because he's pretty, he's pretty endearing. But number one, were you worried for Gunji throughout this episode? Every time there was an opportunity for Gunji to like jump into the fight, Gunji's a badass, man. He was not afraid. He jumps right into the fight when they're trying to still see what's going on. Omega's like, uh, Gunji's like <laughs> pulling a fast one over there. Were you worried that he was going to make it through? That's interesting because I was not. The thought had not even occurred to me. And I don't know if, I mean, obviously in this episode, he's very headstrong and he's very seeming, seems to be maybe angry. I don't know at everything that's happened and what's going on with the Trandoshans and everything on Kashyyyk. But I wasn't worried at all. I don't know if it was maybe because, hey, this kid survived Order 66. He somehow escaped and has survived on his own for, I don't know, however long it's been since then. So yeah, that's an interesting question. I was not worried at all. I was worried, man. And especially because the clones <laughs> was the clones had said, like, this is a lightsaber. Oh, no, we got to find this. And you're like, no, now the episode, I thought it was going to turn into a, like, hunt for Gunji, which it kind of did. But I didn't know if that was going to be part of it. Like, they captured Gunji, and then Omega's like, we got to get Gunji. It's Gunji, you know? Mm. Didn't go that way. Okay, my second question then, you're not worried, and you're hoping he's sticking around. Selfishly, I wanted Gunji to join the Bad Batch and then be like, mm. he could talk to animals and we could use a guy like that. <laughs> so I wanted him to stick around. Are you okay with him just doing his own adventures or did, were you hoping he was going to be in an arc of the, the series? Hmm, that's interesting because this season is arcless. So I'm not sure. It would be cool to see him more. I am 100% on board with him staying on Kashyyyk and fighting the fight on Kashyyyk with his people. Hunter at one point says, Jedi or not, he's a kid, he needs his people, which is the exact opposite mm. thinking of the Jedi. Yeah. So there's definitely something there. And I love the idea of him staying there. He's learning about his people. He's learning about their culture. He's learning about the planet. He communes with the trees, which is amazing. But he doesn't know any of that. You know, something I did think about while watching this episode is that Gunji doesn't know any of this. Omega asks him if, if he remembers anything and Hunter translates what he says to from his dreams. Right. You know, he's dreamt of it. There's so much there. There's so much heartbreak on top of like, we just met this kid and he survived Order 66 and he's been hunted. And the Vanguard Axis have a client that the Jedi would be valuable to. Gee, I wonder who that could be. But there's so much, there's so many like levels of heartbreak and then saying like, oh, Gunji's never been here. He was taken away when he was a baby. This is all new to him, but he's staying there and fighting with his people. That's really romantic that they're going to leave him there and not be like, he can stay with us. Like you would think Omega would, would say something like that. Like she would want a friend, but he's there with his mm. family. That makes more sense that he's with his own people. It's really sad for Omega that she meets people like Hera or Gunji and doesn't mm. actually get to like grow up with these other kids, you know, in a, in a traditional sense. But she's met all these other kids, you know? I think that's interesting that she gets to pinpoint with them but never stick around with them. I think that that is exactly the point of what, what they get to at the end of this episode. I think that's exactly the point of where we get at the end of this episode. Because Hunter says they're just kids, but they can't 
be. They're both just kids, but they don't get to be in this galaxy, right. he says. Yeah, exactly. She's meeting these other kids and potentially could be like friendships and relationships, but that's it. that can't be the way it works right now, which is extremely sad. And I think making Hunter realize that they need a different life. So put that in one of the themes we've been talking about, the Batch trying to figure out where their place is in the galaxy. Well, here's hoping Omega finds a friend. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so let's talk more about Kashyyyk and the Wookiees. We don't get a lot of the Wookiees or Kashyyyk in canon. For a character that has been there since day one of Star Wars, there's like some stuff sprinkled here and there about Wookiees and Kashyyyk. But we spent a lot of time on the planet this episode and learned a lot about the Wookiees and their way of life and Kashyyyk. So what did you think of all of that? I'm glad they just went to Kashyyyk at all. I thought, again, Gunji was going to stay with the Bad Batch and they'd be like, we're not touching Kashyyyk with a 10-foot pole. There's going to be Imperials there. We're trying to stay Mm. away from that. But we were talking just before recording, like they didn't really hesitate. They mentioned there was going to be Imperials, but they went right to Kashyyyk. So really cool that we got to see it at all. They could have kind of dropped that line and just not not bothered with it and had Gunji, you know, figure some other story out. So that was pretty interesting. And then when they touch down, you see Omega is like, oh, cool, a forest. I've never been here. Like she grew up on an ocean. Now she's in a forest. Awesome. She's excited. Gunji's excited. They talk about the dream thing. And then it's it's like your Avatar Pandora moment where they show mm. all the life. And he's commuting through the force with the creepy spider dudes. That was interesting where the Bad Batch wants to then attack those spiders. And I was like, don't be a creature mm. boss episode fight thing. I don't want this to be the plot. And then yeah. Gunji talks to them with the force like, yes, I love that. The Bad yes. Batch is like, oh, if we don't attack them, they won't attack us. And it's like, they're also seeing this really rich culture. I guess they were familiar with the Wookiees because they were allies in the Clone Wars. So maybe they mm. knew about that, but they were seeing firsthand that Jedi communing with other creatures on the planet. Then they're talking to the trees. These trees were my friends. Uh. You, you were hoping to get that one in. I know it. So that was, it was great. And then the episode's called Tribe. And then we see the Wookiee elder and they save one of the Wookiees that's been captured. Awesome little contained little plot. I don't even think of this as like a side story because of all of that culture aspect. Every episode we're talking about this, the Bad Batch being exposed to new worlds and new points of view. This episode is pretty heavy with that, but that's like the best part about Star Wars. You're like going to strange new worlds. I guess that's Star Trek, but it's like the same idea, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's what I'm loving about this season, honestly, is is all of that stuff. It's an action-y show, and there's a point to the end of it, and they're in danger and all that kind of stuff, but we're spending so much time this season on other people's cultures. And yeah, it's great to see Kashyyyk I'm trying to think of like in canon where we have seen Kashyyyk before. Like we get it a little bit in the prequels and we get a little bit of it in Jedi Fallen Order. Maybe some in the Clone Wars, but anyway, not a lot. And certainly not to this depth where we're seeing like we are the Wookiees and we speak for the trees. A very rich culture that the Batch is just respectful of, whether they've been there before or not. You know, every it's the first time that everyone has just been willing, been on board with with doing a thing. Echo says that it might be dangerous to go to Kashyyyk for Gunji. And Hunter says he's a Jedi. 
it's not safe for him anywhere. But that's it. They do it. They go. They all want to help. I just feel like in the past, in this show, someone would have put up a fight. Or if Gunji says, if we don't engage with them, they won't hurt us. In the past, one of them would have been like, screw that. I'm not putting my blaster away or something like not trustworthy of these other beings that might know more about this place than you do. So it's really, it's amazing, again, to see these characters grow that way, whether it's because they've spent so much time on Kashyyyk in the past or not. Either way, they have grown in that way, and I loved seeing that. Even when when they're talking to the trees, and another note on Tech being the one, like, upfront chronicling these cultures, understanding these cultures, learning more about these cultures, Tech is the one who says, they believe this planet belongs to the trees and no one bats an eye. Hunter, Hunter says, we'll take all the allies we can get. When all the Wookiees are out communing with the trees, no one's like, we're wasting time. We need to get ready. No one does any of that. They're just okay with what's going on. And it turns out, well... The trees have a plan. Yeah, exactly. Well, whatever they say. Whatever they say, he yeah. says. It's, it's amazing. Like, that is amazing. That is always what I want from... Star Wars and from sci-fi in general, I hate the trope of someone thinking they know better, so they're going to fight and they will lose because they think they know better. So yes, I loved it. I loved more time on Kashyyyk. I love the creatures. Kinrath are the name of the spider things. Is it the thing and from then, Attack of the Clones? I don't know if it's the thing from Attack of the, the Clones. Uh, the big thing that Obi-Wan like chops a leg off oh, in the Coliseum. Oh, no, no, no. Sort of similar design, but I don't... I, I think one was four legs and one was like six. Yeah, I can't remember what that's called, but I used to know. But anyway, it's not that. And Got then it. the giant like monkey things oh, that yeah. the Wookiees are riding. Those are super cool. That's Pretty badass. Really, yeah. I thought that was a cool design. Guess those trees knew what they were doing. <laughs> Wrecker's got uh, the best lines, Wrecker, man. Wrecker's great in this episode, even when he doesn't have the best lines. Like in basic, the subtitles let me know that he was imitating a Wookiee multiple times throughout this episode, which I loved enough to take note of. He was like, it's been a while since we've been to Kashyyyk. And he like, obviously has a good time there. And he drinks the yeah, he thing loves the when food. Echo won't. Yeah. And uh-huh. yeah, even at the end, he says, I could get used to this when they're just sitting around eating and drinking again. And that was like, that was a moment where I was like, well, if the batch does break up, I want record to go to Kashyyyk because... He loves it. I loved seeing him be happy that way. It was just so cool. He fit right in. Yeah. Talking about the way these episodes are going and maybe how it's different than these episodes have gone in the past. Do you think this episode was more deep than what we've seen so far or maybe had some deeper, darker, heavy themes than what we've gotten so far? I don't know. I mean, they had the executions in the first couple episodes. Mm, There's been a lot of death in the Bad Batch, I think. I won't say that it's a foreign idea, but they certainly were hammering a lot of that home that they went to Kashyyyk. They specifically said there's been all this deforestation and, you know, Gunji was being like sold into slavery at the very beginning. They'd captured another Wookiee and there was obviously a lot of like, environmental overtones or undertones to this episode or in-your-face tones. It really wasn't super subtle. I thought it was really impressive that the Bad Batch uh, was worried about the forest. When the fires broke out, they were like, we got to stop the fire, start digging. 
And they did that yep. twice, which was like, yep. you know, that's not a subtle thing that that was a plot point twice in the episode that they needed to save the trees. And I think you put it perfectly earlier that the respect for that planet and for the trees that of which the planet belongs to, I guess that's heavy. Like their world being destroyed, all of the Wookiees being moved into the forest. Like, yeah, that's the worst part of any kind of culture when you're stripping that freedom away from them. You're taking their mm -hmm. home away. You're burning it down. You're enslaving them. Like, no, that's, that is the opposite of the progress that we need in the world or in the galaxy. Yeah, the environmental aspects of this episode, it almost feels like we're talking about Kashyyyk and getting more information on Kashyyyk. And it, it feels like it would have been such a waste to not tell this kind of story with going to Kashyyyk. Right. A tree being chopped down and shedding yes. a tear for it. Yeah. Right. So like a very Fern Gully type thing. But then also we started off the series with Order 66 and and Caleb Doom and, and Deepa Balaba getting gunned down. And there have been there have been executions. Something about this episode, maybe it's because it was also wrapped up in the environmental aspects uh, like the fires and deforestation, but the Trandoshans are on Kashyyyk on behalf of the Empire. And we know that the Trandoshans have historically hated the Wookiees and the idea that the Empire is using that hatred, like essentially setting them loose and giving them the weapons that they need in order to do this is so dark. Like, the Empire is getting something out of it. They're, like, suppressing, oppressing the rebels, you know, whatever strong Wookiees that would that would fight back, and using the Trandoshans to strip the planet of its resources, as they put in the episode. I think those resources are the Wookiees. When we meet the Trandoshan leader, Captain Venomore, he's wearing a Wookiee pelt. That's not nothing. That's pretty... Awful. These on the Wookiee home planet, we're there. We're there with the Bad Batch protecting a Wookiee. And the first time we see this guy is he's wearing a Wookiee pelt. And then once they realize there's a Jedi, he offers 100 pelts as a reward for, for finding the Jedi. So the deforestation, the fires, the genocide, pretty heavy, like all wrapped in one, I guess like it, it has been brutal seeing the executions. They happen quickly on screen. This is like active genocidal storyline here that we get to see an episode of in, again, an animated show. Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't show that in any more detail or show like an entire tribe being, you know, assassinated or something. That would have been mm. maybe too far. You know, killing one clone trooper off like, I was going to say unnamed, but I think they named that one clone trooper. But, you know, killing off these one-off characters that we haven't really been around with is a little less jarring than, like, it's this last tribe on the planet. So I'm glad they didn't go there. But I do love, like, on the flip side of this, I know you're like, isn't this awful? Yes. I love the connection, though, to at least the only thing I can think of directly is Boba Fett with Ker Santin. And yeah. he, like, attacks the Trandoshan in the bar yeah. and Garza Thwip, Garza Thwip, man, Garza I blame Thwip. the dentist. <laughs> but so that scene, now we have context for that. You know, I didn't really know, like, it's just part of the lore. Wookiees, you know, rip arms out of sockets, but specifically they don't like that other race, you know? They just have this mm -hmm. hatred for each other. And so that context there makes it a little bit richer. 
I thought that it, that was only because of this one moment. You're saying that the Trandoshan thing goes back into the Clone Wars, though. That's always been an ongoing. Yeah, there's definitely an episode or a series of episodes about it in the Clone Wars. As far back as the High Republic, though, there is a Trandoshan Jedi and a Wookiee Jedi. But now we still have Wookiee Jedi, but we don't have any Trandoshan Jedi. So this is an aside, but I'm always very curious about like what happened with the Trandoshans where they can't... Because they're, they're exclusively evil. The, the, the first non-evil Trandoshan we've seen is Sid, right? Okay. In like current canon mm. besides this one in the High Republic. As far as I know, I mean, I, I, I don't know everything and I could certainly be wrong. But like in on-screen media, lots of bad Trandoshans. Interesting. So do we know what's the inciting thing though that they don't like each other? Was there some kind of dispute? Like are they both from Kashyyyk? You know, like what is the problem here? No. The Trandoshans have their own homeworld, but in the Clone Wars episodes, the Trandoshans are like capturing Wookiees and hunting them as a rite of passage. Mm. Just pretty awful. But yeah, this this made me feel, I guess, like a deeper sense of dread than than the other maybe darker tones we've gotten so far from this show. Well, yeah, like you said, the Wookiees seem kind of rare in the original trilogy or sequel trilogy. Where are they? You know, they got wiped yeah. out just like the Jedi got wiped out, you know, sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So that's that totally sucks. And we see that in Solo. We see like the Wookiees. That's I think that's how Han meets Chewbacca because Chewbacca's being like transported for slavery and other Wookiees are as well. And it's also the premise of like the first couple episodes of um, Star Wars Rebels. So there's always this like Wookiees are being imprisoned and sold into slavery by the Empire thing. I can't remember if it's legends or not that that the Empire used the Wookiees in the construction of the Death Star. So there might be like some stuff there. But anyway, there's always like this Wookiees being sold into slavery storyline. But hopefully Gunji's okay and hopefully he continues to be okay. All right, one last thing that I think would be worth mentioning for our continued overview of the entire series so far and where we think things are going. I think there was another pretty like winking at the audience foreshadowing moment at the very end. And you had mentioned it before we started recording, Joe. The uh, one day we'll find a new path, Tech says. And Hunter says, hopefully one far away from war. Bwah. You know, this ominous music plays in the background and it's the slow fade out. And I was like, man, why you got to do this to me? Like, I love when the music swells at the end, you know, and you go into the theme song and we all clap along. Lando's clapping in the background and the Wookiees are dancing. Like, it wasn't like that, though, that they were staring off into the jungle. It was very much like, what are we going to do now? This is kind of rough and we still don't know how to get out of the rough. I got a bad feeling about this, man. Like, <laughs> the, the way that they phrase those lines that they didn't really know where they're going to go. They're just like, hopefully we can figure something out. And with the direction of the music being kind of spooky and the slow fade out, like to me, that's intentional storytelling that it's not going to work out. This is my personal take. And I know like that's half the fun of, of us doing the shows. We only wanted to podcast because we love coming up with stupid theories about things. It's <laughs> really where this show is born out of. And yep. I don't know if it's going to have a happy ending. I really don't see that. The, the more they sprinkle in these little moments, they're hinting at us. It's not going to go well. Yeah, this is not going to go the way you think. Exactly. But that 
that line from Luke Skywalker comes at a time after he already had his happy ending. Mm. You know what I mean? Listen, I love being an optimist and I love happy endings, but happy endings come and go. The original trilogy ended and then the sequel trilogy happened and then the sequel trilogy ended and what happens next? Like there's always there's always something after the happy ending, right? And I think that that line when when we when we get the like end of a sad episode of lost no sound effect mm. thing really makes it stand out like you're saying and that specific line so it's yana who says in shri wook <laughs> uh the line and then tech translates it and the line is perhaps one day we will all find a new path which is what you and I have been talking about this whole time and and maybe speculation, but speculation built on context of stuff like this. It's almost like Hunter was so mellow this episode, which was like, he's always kind of monotone and stuff. It gets a little bit grumpy, but it felt more emotional based on what they were dealing with in this episode. And that moment when he says, hopefully one far away from war just hit me is very much like, this is the turning point for Hunter. This is when he's decided that he wants more for Omega. He's known it. He's known he wants more for Omega. And maybe he's even said it. But at that moment, it was very much like, we got to, this is no place for us. At the risk of not being a soldier anymore, which they seem to be fighting very hard to be soldiers for some reason, because that was what they were created to do. And now they're doing it for Sid. But so at the risk of not being a soldier anymore, going and having a life, getting Omega away from war. What's that going to turn into? Will sacrifices have to be made? I think it's also much more extremely powerful in this moment because of what we've been saying. Yana says it. She's leading that Wookiee tribe. And we've said this whole episode, the Batch seem to have a tremendous respect for the Wookiees and their culture and everything they're going through. They're taking everything in this episode very seriously. And so that very serious line comes out of Hunter responding to the Wookiee, which I think makes it much more powerful. Yes, we're going forward with this. uh, The batch might break up and I'm getting more and more okay with that as heartbreaking as it would be, I guess, with stuff like this, like Wrecker again, loving the Wookiees, loving being there. Want to see Wrecker on Kashyyyk. Tech, (laughs) go do your thing. Echo can go help Rex. Something that we've not talked about, I asked you a question a couple of weeks ago about Cody and do we think Cody will survive? We haven't applied that to the rest of the batch who we also don't see in the future. You know, we also don't see Echo with Rex when we get to Rebels. So is that a bad sign? We'll find out as the season goes on. You're right that that point, that idea is getting heavier and heavier and more and more pulling at the front of the themes, pulling us along. It also makes me worried that the like we've spent so much time this season on people and people's cultures and we're almost to the halfway point of the season is the second half of the season going to throw us for a loop have these episodes been buttering us up for the rest of this season i don't know but i guess we'll see but we're almost halfway there and i'm afraid uh, i'm i'm kind of afraid of what comes next i am too dude if it ended and he said one far away from war da 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 like then it would have been like all right but it was this very somber moment the way he said it the way they directed the music so we'll see okay not so surprising question time 
This episode, man, talking about everything with the Trandoshans and the Wookiees, and now the Batch has been on Kashyyyk, fought alongside the Wookiees, shot and killed Trandoshans. No stun gun this episode. No much more stun gun this episode. And Omega's there fighting alongside the Wookiees, fighting Trandoshans. One of our themes is the Bad Batch breaking away from Sid. Do you think that they will take this back and that this will influence their relationship with Sid, especially Omegas who, like you said last episode, Omega looks up to Sid? What if the Wookiee was going to be delivered to Sid? Mm. If they were bringing Gunji to Sid and she's like, you guys really goofed up. (laughs) Who knows? So I think you're right that all of these different cultural influences have expanded their worldview and that maybe they're not going to retire on Kashyyyk or on that Zepho ripoff planet or who knows where they're going to wind up, but they clearly want to be somewhere else. This can be relatable to anybody listening. Like when you're in an, env- in an environment that's bringing you down, just go somewhere else. When you're in Sid's palace, of course you're going to get yourself into these missions you don't want to go on or selling chain codes to slavers and smugglers. Like you don't have to do that. And I think they'll find they're finally going to start realizing some of that in the coming episodes for sure. Man, I wonder if that'll be like a a kind of battle with Sid too, or if they can just walk away since Sid knows who they are and she could tip off the Empire. Like maybe that's some of the big plot lines to come. You know, them breaking away from Sid. Maybe not necessarily a season finale thing, but maybe this mid season of them trying to get to the next thing, breaking away from Sid, season finale onto the grander scale of like freeing their brothers and the other clones or whatnot. Yeah. What Omega has just seen on Kashyyyk, sullying her view of Sid, who she has looked up to so far and stuck her neck out for and put like the batch on the line for in the past, would be incredible to see. You know, they've had one character tell them you can't trust Sid. And now she's seen the rest of these Trandoshans fighting the the Wookiees. So all of them now going back and and interacting with Sid, it will it will be interesting to see if the relationship has changed there after this and lead to, like we've been saying, a, a breakaway or something like that. Hopefully Sid's not dealing in Wookiee uh, slavery, but who knows? All right, listeners, do you think that this episode was a turning point for Omega in the Bad Batch and their view on their place in the galaxy and whether or not they got to stick with Sid? Or they got to depart from Sid. They got to make a breakaway and break away. (laughs) You let us know wherever you're listening. If you're on YouTube, drop us a comment. If you're over on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Wherever your social media, we're there. Search Krypton to Alderaan. We always love hearing from you. Thanks for listening to the end of the show. I've been Royce. I've been a Kinrath. And we've been Krypton. Krypton.